Do you want to go down to a 40-hour week without losing revenue? If you're ready to let go of all the extra hours, the stress, the overwhelm, and the clients who hijack your time, consider my signature program, Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind. In it, we'll get your accounting practice under control. We'll fix your pricing problems. I'll show you ways to price so you stop giving away the farm so you bring in more revenue for the work you're already doing. I'll help you disengage the clients who are good people but are holding your business back and slowing you down. I'll help you package up your services and design them so they're easy for your clients to understand and choose from while helping you simplify and standardize what you sell. And we'll focus on making your messaging more interesting and compelling so you attract more of the kinds of clients you want to work with and break out of the hodgepodge of referrals trap. We get your prices up, we get your workload down. We standardize, we simplify, we streamline. And we do this at a pace that feels doable, where you feel confident in every choice you make. Prices up, workload down. Registration is open now. We start Tuesday, May 7th. Come with us. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to find out more. I know that I'm always saying like, okay, charge what you're worth, charge what you're worth. But then when I meet with somebody and I see their situation, I'm like, oh my God, I, I want to help them so badly. Okay, I'll cut my prices, but that's also kind of killing me. Welcome to Epic Business Growth for CPAs. My name is Geraldine Carter, founder of She Thinks Big Coaching. This is the place to be if you're a CPA who wants to grow your accounting practice. Weekly episodes are full of strategies and action steps that create a clear path for growth without working harder. Time to get inspired and grow your business. Hello, podcast listeners. Many of you have wondered what coaching is like. What's it really feel like to be inside a coaching session? How does it sound? What kind of questions do you ask? Well, you're about to get those questions answered. My guest today is Heather Zeitzwolf of Zeitzwolf Accounting. Heather was excited for the opportunity to do an on-air coaching call, to come on the podcast and talk about some of the challenges she faces in her business, and to look for direction and clarity around how best to grow. These calls can be a little bit vulnerable for both of us, and I really appreciate that Heather was excited for the opportunity to come on the show and talk about her challenges in her mindset and in her business. Please welcome Heather Zeitzwolf. Heather, welcome to the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast. Thanks. I'm so excited. And for our listeners, I want you to know that Heather and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago around her challenges and decided that an on-air coaching call would be a great opportunity for us to dive into them further. So Heather, one of my favorite questions that I like to ask my business owning guests before we jump into the coaching part is what was your very first thing that you did to make money? Oh, well, when I was a kid, I was really about um, trying to like hustle around, uh, convincing my parents to give me money. So I, I didn't get an allowance. So I would put on puppet shows and uh, I would make the dining room uh, the King's Cafe and invite them in and I'd make menus and charge them money for the food that they actually purchased. <laughs> And I sell season tickets to my puppet shows and I wouldn't necessarily put on all the, the season shows, but my dad would pay in advance 
<laughs> so you sold season tickets to your own parents for the puppet shows and offered meals and dining for the food that they had already purchased. Yes. Yes. Awesome. I love the upcharging. <laughs> uh, and so what early lessons did you take away from your first experience as an entrepreneur? It's all about getting the right target. Uh, my parents were definitely the correct target because they would actually be the suckers to spend money on on this. Uh, it wasn't like something that I could charge the neighbors. So it was definitely finding the right person. Oh, yeah. That is an important lesson. Right, right. So let's transition into um, talking about your business. Why don't you give us a quick background for our listeners of where you are in business right now and you know the transition that you've recently made? Okay. Well, I started my business about eight months ago. Uh, I decided to go off on my own. And uh, this is my first real entrepreneur uh, endeavor uh, besides like when I was a kid and I'd sell soap door to door and I, you know, I did those kind of things as a child, but, uh, as an adult, uh, I've worked in market research. I've worked in theater. I I've worked in fashion. I have a really varied background, but, um, I went back to school to study accounting back in 2010 and I really love accounting, but I, I'm in my fifties now. So I felt like I needed, this was my chance now to kind of do it myself. I was tired of working for the man, as you, you know, people say. Uh, at first, it was very challenging to get clients. I thought for sure it would be like, you know, I know a lot of people. I'm I'm pretty active in Toastmasters and theater here in town, and uh, I, I know lots of people. So I thought, oh yeah, no problem getting clients. But that was actually really my first challenge: was how do I how do I get people to actually want to pay me money? Um, and it wasn't until uh, tax season in the fall where I started to get some tra uh, traction. In the beginning, I thought, uh, when I first started my business, I thought, oh, I'm going to do money management for the elderly. That was kind of like my idea. And then I realized that I really want to be uh, technologically based. I want to be virtual. And that was not going to mix with that target. And, and I've decided in the beginning that I would allow myself to kind of explore and pivot where I needed to. So I, I thought, okay, I'm just going to try some different things and be okay with it if it doesn't work. So I tried that. The tax season came in. And so then I started actually getting some clients and it was, you know, referrals. Uh, I got on Thumbtack and I started getting some leads through that. Um, but still getting clients was definitely the biggest challenge in the beginning. Once I started getting clients, doing just more than just taxes was the next challenge. So I wanted to have a coaching uh, piece where I do financial coaching. And I did get some clients for that. But what I wanted to have was more of a holistic business where I wasn't just uh, offering tax services, but I was order offering other services for the same clients. Uh, so I wanted to have a small stable of clients where I could really delve into their finances and really help them all year round. But that has been one of the biggest challenges is that people have been just more like one-offs. Some have been coaching and tax, but for the most part, it's just been tax. And now I've been trying to get them to get to the other piece. I've been working with people with small businesses. And so I've offered 
business advising. I've done some of that, but I want it to be more of a year round thing where it's like I'm helping them either month to month on with advising or quarterly with advising. But so that's now my biggest challenge. I have clients now. I've got people coming through. I've got referrals. So the whole challenge of getting new clients is that's gone away. Now it's how do I get these clients to want to purchase more or do more with me throughout the year? Got it. Makes perfect sense. Started up recently, brand new clients. Got to take anybody who comes in the door. Got to figure out what you like, what you're good at, what works, what doesn't work. Know that you want to do advising and have more regular income. Yes. And also finding that for whatever reason, which we don't know yet, but I'm curious about where is the disconnect between compliance work, which legally requires being done versus ongoing work, which is not a legal requirement. So takes a different conversation and trying to figure out how to establish the value and who those people are that are going to want to work with you in an ongoing capacity annually. Right. And, you know, as far as the people that I've been working with, uh, great clients. I mean, uh, for the most part, I would say that 95% of my clients, I'm like, I really, really like, and I really want to help. And part of the problem I think with me is that I really want to help people. And so I will offer people discounts and, you know, I see their tough situation and, and then I'm like, okay, I'll give you a discount. So that's another challenge that I have. And that's maybe just me inside is that, uh, I know that I'm always saying like, okay, charge what you're worth, charge what you're worth. But then when I meet with somebody and I see their situation, I'm like, oh my God, I, I want to help them so badly. Okay, I'll cut my prices. But that's also kind of killing me because I track all the discounts. So when I give somebody a discount, I always put it as a separate line item so that they know that this is a discount. And hopefully like next year, they'll know they don't, they're not necessarily going to get the same discount. But then I'm also challenged with what if they won't come back because they think like, oh, I can't afford her unless she gives me a discount. So these are just things I'm struggling with. Yeah. And super common struggles and uh, really easy to get caught in that spiral of ongoing downward price pressure. Right. Right. And you end up putting so many hours in working at a low enough rate that it sort of prevents you from getting up and out because you don't have the time and you're exhausted and you're sort of caught on this treadmill that you can't get off. Right. And right now I'm a one man show. So I'm doing all the admin work. And I I realized that like, if I could uh, give that to somebody else to do, that would free up my time and I could really work on the things that actually bring in money. But at this point in time, though, it's like, I, I realize that if I do that, I could expand my capacity. But I'm not sure if I'm making enough money at this point. And I do know, like, once you do that, then it allows you to bring in more. But because I'm working with people's financial information, their social security numbers, all these things that- Highly sensitive. Yeah, highly sensitive. It's so scary to bring on another person and you have to trust them and train them. And at this point in time, it's like, I don't know if it's quite worth it. And it's not something I can just like outsource to anybody because you have to be- uh, so protective of that information. So that's a, that's a tough one for me too. So it sounds to me like you're caught in the survival trap, right? You're, yeah. <laughs> you're, you know, you're surviving, but it's, but just barely. And you're trapped there because you're working for way less than the value that you provide. And 
there's way more work to be done than time sort of allows in a reasonable workday or work week. And you just get stuck there going around and around and around and around. Right. And it's really challenging. It can be challenging to get out, but there is a way out. Let me ask you this. What would be two or three most helpful things to get from our time together today? I would say to have some sort of direction as far as uh, things that I can implement in my business that uh, I realize right now tax season is tax season, but it's moving forward after tax season that I'm uh, is going to be the biggest challenge because right now I've got money coming in. Uh, I've got, I'm at capacity. It, that's not a problem now, but it's after tax season What's going to happen? Is it all going to dry up? Can I convince these people that I'm working with that are, you know, if they can't afford me for tax, then how are they going to afford me for business advising? So that part, that's the piece that's really, it's like, okay, I I understand, like, I got to stop discounting. I I know that it's the next piece of like, how do I entice people to want to work with me uh, to do business advising in the future when they feel like they can't even afford me for tax? in their business. Okay. So one of them is direction. When there's this hurdle and we're going to lower this hurdle of how do I entice people to work with me when they quote unquote, can't afford me even for tax, we will lower that hurdle, hopefully right down to the ground. And what else would be helpful if anything? Um, well, I've been trying to weed out, uh, clients, you know, from the get go of like, I meet somebody and I'm, I'm now being uh, more picky about who I bring in and not just taking in everybody. Cause that was sort of my, my MO for a while. It's just like, whoever wants to pay me money, I'll take them. But I, I've had some really, uh, I've had some clients that have been really a, just a complete headache. And, um, I, I even had a, a scary situation with somebody. And so I've decided that I really need to have people that are more to see more eye to eye with, with me. Uh, I'm a vegan, and so I've sort of advertised that I'm the vegan CPA, and and I like bringing in more of those types of clients. And uh, but I understand that you know those types of businesses, vegan businesses, are going to be all all over the map. It's not just creative. Uh, like I like to work with creative people. Um, I work with people that like do salon work and tattoos and and that sort of work. And um, I don't know. I'm probably going, I'm just, I'm rambling at this point. <laughs> that's okay. So one piece in there that's important is your values, right? That you're vegan. What's important to you about being vegan? What aspect of it? There's so many, but uh, it would have to do with um, compassion for the animals, uh, saving the environment. Those are probably the the two biggest. And when I started my LLC in the state of Oregon, you can choose if you want to be like a benefit corp. And so I chose that, but I haven't gone through all of the steps yet to like be certified and all of that. So I really want to be mindful about the types of clients that I bring in that they align with the benefit corp. Um, uh, And so I don't want to have people that are like what I did one woman I talked to, she was a, like a pig farmer. And I was like, I ended that call right away. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we both save ourselves some time and heartache? We're not going to work together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was an easy cut, but um, mm-hmm. choosing people that align more with me, uh, I, I'm pretty much paperless. So the saving the environment is another real big area for me. And 
So I don't want to work with people that are want lots of paper and all of that. I really want to be like very virtual. And um, so that's, that's been a challenge as well, especially now I'm trying, now I'm trying to weed those people out as well. Like, okay, if you won't work with me virtually, then that's not going to be a good fit for me. Well, lucky for you, the world is headed in that direction and not the opposite direction. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. So just to distill that last piece, I think it was, or coming back to distilling that last piece, it's around you mentioned you like working with creative salons, tattoos, and so on. So number one, I'm all about knowing what your values are and getting your business to line up with them. Because when you do, you attract the right kind of people, not the right kind of people, but the right kind of people for you that you like to work with who share values with you. And then you would really enjoy it. Like it brings a deeper level of joy and fulfillment to your work. However, we cannot base a business on values alone, right? We need to provide real value to our customers. So what I see that we need to work on, pull out, is what's the value that you want to be providing to your customers and who are those, I'm calling them customers, I'll call them clients, and who are those clients, what do they want from you and where are they? And having the part about being vegan, caring about the environment and so on is all important and not narrow enough yet. It's much easier to create value for your potential clients when you become an expert or at least well-versed or very good in their industry. Mm -hmm. You can create value well beyond what your typical generalist CPA will create. Are you a CPA or an accountant? I'm a CPA. So you will create value beyond what a generalist CPA will create. Right. So immediately, so there are a couple of benefits in doing it. Right. Immediately, you stand out from the crowd. You simplify and make your work life easier because the amount of tax code that you need to stay abreast on becomes narrower. Your marketing becomes much more simple, clear, crisp. It attracts people who can identify themselves in your marketing message. And you're able to much more easily provide much more value, much more simply when you serve a certain industry or profession. So, I mean, I realize that like when I say like, I want to work with vegan entrepreneurs, like I realize that I need to niche that down. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, you need to niche down the entrepreneur part. Okay. You keep the vegan part if you want. Absolutely, right? Um, The entrepreneur part is what's too broad. Yeah, I, I thought that. Yeah, and the danger with entrepreneurs is because that includes startups, depending on the startups, oftentimes they don't have budgets yet for to be able to afford you. Now, I'm not talking tech startups who have venture capital funding, who have their A series or whatever, and maybe they have the budget to work with you. That's a different kind of entrepreneur and startup. But if you're if we're talking about entrepreneur and bootstrap startups, they're probably not going to have the budget to be able to afford you yet unless they have money from, say, a previous business that they successfully sold and they know what they're doing. So are you with me so far? Yeah, th- th- I guess this this is part of the real challenge for me is because I enjoy that whole bootstrapping par- part of it. That that to me is the exciting part uh, of a business. And I guess that's, I mean, that's really like most of my clients are in that um, situation right now. And I realize that's part of the problem that they can't afford me. But I'm I wonder if there's a way to to actually show them the value, even though they are bootstrapping, that I could be of assistance to them and help them actually build this business. Um, that I mean, that is like the niche that I really like. It may be the niche that doesn't make any money. I don't know. So that's the that's the question, right? And the risk. 
What kind of financial modeling have you run on your income, if any? Put it this way. Uh, I know that where I'm at now is not, I can't maintain this and that I want to do something where, uh, like maybe offer well, webinars or masterminds or something like that where I can scale uh, a lot more people into a, a certain time frame, And I, that is really where I want to go. And so that's why I've started uh, a video series for vegan entrepreneurs. And I see myself more al- along those lines of trying to promote myself as uh, me, as the as the face of my business. Um, I don't know if that's a pipe dream because there's so many people online doing that sort of thing, but that's kind of where I feel like I need to take it to the next level uh, to offer some sort of, uh, and there are, there are some webinar ideas that I have right now that, but I don't have time to even implement that because I'm so in the weeds right now with tax season. And I, I might have a chance to do like a speaking engagement. And then it's like, okay, now I got to write the speech. And that that's where I would love to go with my business is to uh, be more of like a source for people. And rather than doing the day-to-day compliance work and all of that, uh, that that's really my future vision yes. for myself. But I have to make money in the meantime. So yes. And I think that you can get there with webinars. I think you can get to that. The webinars, the masterminds, the source being a source of expertise and information. I think it comes after other steps that you need to take first. I know. Yeah. And I realize that. So I'm being patient about. Okay, great. (laughs) So I think that you can do that once you are making enough money, right? Because all that stuff takes time and it's not direct revenue generation. It's sort of the long path to solidifying and building your brand. Right. Once you have sufficient revenue generation and you work a normal work week so that you have time to be sane and take care of yourself and eat healthy food and all that. So we do that after. And I think one of the one of the common mistakes is that people try and do that kind of stuff, myself included on my own journey, too soon before they've established themselves as an expert in a certain area and grown their audience over time. Yeah. And they try and do the webinar thing to grow the audience. But it's not the webinars that grows the audience. It's the expertise that grows the audience. So we need to focus on having you become an expert or, I mean, expert, when I say expert, the reason I don't like that word is that it se- makes it seem far away, um, but it's not far away. Becoming an expert or becoming well-versed in a certain field or industry can be as short a path as three to six months. Okay. Yes. You don't. You might not become an expert in six months, but you're at least much more well-versed than anybody around you. And when you niche down like that, you really have to find a niche though where people actually have money to pay you. Yes. That's part that's the other part of the problem. Niches with no budget or limited budget are not ideal niches. I know and unfortunately those are the niches I like. Uh, but well there may be people in those niches that have the budget to do what you want to do and you may be surprised too, right? There are successful Tattoo artists out there. I see. Or like salons or whoever I'm working with. There are successful ones out there. We just need to find the ones. And there are some that have what it takes to be successful and want to be successful and just need your secret ingredients in order to get them there. There are people who identify with the starving artist and just want to be the starving artist. And no matter what you do for them, they will insist on being a starving artist. 
and no amount of whatever intervention or help or support that you want to provide is going to help them. Right. So we want to find the ones who don't ascribe to all the starving artists kind of um, dogma, if you will, the ones who are creative and want to use their creativity to make a viable business for themselves and need somebody like you who gets them. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you get, you, you get those people. Um, they want to work with somebody like you who gets them and who can give them the real business advice around running their creative business. I see. Yeah. I have a, I have a client that's a blogger and, and it's like, to me, that just seems like a real fascinating area, but I mean, like if I was a niche down, then it's like, okay, so do I just go after vegan bloggers, you know? And I, I mean, I'm just saying blogging. I'm just, you know. Um, well, let's do one thing first before we answer that question. Cause the, the answer to that question might come out of going through the process. Okay. So let me ask you this. And in most conversations, given how well we know each other or don't, this question would be improprietous, but given our conversation, um, it makes sense. How much money do you want to be taking home annually? Well, what I want to be taking home is different than what I am, uh, for sure. I would like to take home. I don't, I don't require that much money, but 80,000 would be ideal. But when I say that and I look at my numbers, I'm like, well, that's not going to happen this year. But uh, but at the same time, I don't want to like freak myself out and be, and I want to give myself some grace and be a, like able to like build a business and um, not put too much pressure on myself. But but I do want to make money. <laughs> yeah. What are your annual expenses? Ballpark? 20,000, 40,000, 10,000? It's uh, it's not that much. It's probably I would say maybe around thirty thousand, something like that. I I, I I I'm paying off a kitchen and I'm paying off some other things right now, and in in a year those will be gone. So, um, but I don't have a car. I mean, I I have we own a house. Our mortgage isn't that bad. So it's uh, I don't really need a whole lot of money to survive. Okay. Well, we'd like to get you above surviving. <laughs> <laughs> surviving is just the floor. Let's get you, let's get you too excited and feeling excited about what you make. What number is that? Well, I want to, I want to make 80,000. How about that? Okay. And that's taking, that's net income, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And you've got about $30,000 in business expenses. I think so. Um, And then there's taxes. So we're going to do one. I'm going to put 140 here in this little magic spreadsheet just to do the math backwards. So one, you're talking 140 in revenue, right? Okay. Yeah. Does that sound fair? Yep. So a month you're looking at 11.6 repeating. Now, see, when I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, well, okay, that's uh, that's obtainable during tax season, but not after tax season. Not not in my business model as it stands right now. Which is what we're trying to figure out, how we can adjust the business model so that this happens every month. Yes. Or maybe a little bit less every month and a little bit more during tax season. Sure. But we're just keeping things simple for now. For listeners who, of course, cannot see what we're looking at, simple spreadsheet to figure out based on your total revenue, what your revenue needs to be per month. And given a certain retainer per month, how many clients you need to have and at different levels of retainer, what, um, what that means in terms of how much the client would pay per year for that level of retainer. And then working backwards from there, figuring out how much value 
Heather would need to create for that client. And then if she needs to create, for example, $60,000 worth of value to be, to have a client be willing to pay $6,000 a year, then the size of the company, if you divide by 10%, needs to be 600,000. These are super rough, 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 rough estimates and rules of thumb, but they just get us thinking in the right direction around what size of businesses we need to be talking to in order for everything to make sense and pencil out and have prospects easily nod their heads and saying yes to becoming clients rather than sort of fighting a losing battle with a client who just doesn't have the funds to pay you because what you're trying to do with them is beyond, well beyond what they can afford. So Heather, when you look at this, what is, tell me what you think and what do I need to clarify if anything? Well, when I look at this, I get depressed thinking about how my clients, I mean, I have, you have 11 clients are bringing in the, the revenue that I need per month and I'm working with <laughs> dozens dozens of clients right now uh yeah and uh-huh. to me i mean if i could do what's on your spreadsheet i i would love life because it would make my life a lot more simpler yeah really when you have as many clients as i have it starts to be i, I want to be able to service my clients and be really close to them and really give them quality help but when you have too many clients you're going in too many directions at once and it's so much to keep in your brain. And yeah, I love to be able to, to get to what your spreadsheet says. Like it's really easy to just budget on a spreadsheet, right? It's a whole nother thing to convert it to actual reality in real life. (laughs) And I get that. Um, and for listeners, the retainer that per month that we're looking at in one example is 500, a thousand and 1500. And certainly $500 a month is not unreasonable given what people are already paying simply for bookkeeping and accounting, right? So if you can figure out a way um, to provide far more value on top of that, then it's not unreasonable to at least get to 500, if not well beyond, depending on who you're targeting. Um, Heather, would you disagree with that? Because I don't want to put that out there if you do not buy into that. I I mean, I love the idea of it, but I just, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know anybody that would want to pay that kind of money uh, a month. So obviously I don't have the right kind of clients to fit into this model. And I don't even know who those people would even be. I mean, I guess part of the problem is that I'm cheap to begin with. So for me thinking like someone paying a thousand dollars a month, like, and what am I doing for them? You know, at that point, like, am I on their every beck and call? Like, am I doing like CFO type stuff? Like, what is it that would would warrant that kind of money? Yeah, you can't see it yet. No. So let's adjust the model a little bit. So we'll put a zero here and a zero here and we'll just do $500 a month clients. So we are going to need, how many clients do you have right now? Over 60. Okay. So let's see if we do 25, that gets us there. Can you imagine $500 a month clients, $6,000 a year? The thing though is, is what am I doing for these 25 clients in a month? That sounds like a lot of clients uh, for $500. I mean, is it beyond business advising? Like what, what else would I be doing for them? Am I like helping them with payroll or like, am I running reports? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, do you do, what? do you do accounting and bookkeeping right now for your clients? I uh, you know, originally when I started, I, I was um, thinking I was going to do bookkeeping, but bookkeeping, uh, people pay 
what they pay for bookkeeping is so cheap that I just didn't want to go to that hourly rate. Yeah. And so for me, you know, with technology, like if you're there using QuickBooks, it's bringing in all the transactions anyways. And so for me, I like to do more of a higher level. And so I'll go back through, clean things up, analyze it. So to me, that's more of like where I can bring value mm-hmm. um, rather than the day-to-day bookkeeping. And I don't want to be doing that kind of work anyways. And what you said in there is what I want to tug on. Doing the analyzing is where I bring value. Okay. And this is the value that business owners are desperate for and not receiving from either their bookkeeper account or CPA. Okay. So it's not that I'm doing a whole bunch of busy work to make this $500. It's more of getting getting paid for like the analyzing and all of that mm-hmm. each month. So, okay. So now I can see where you could actually maintain 25 okay, clients. Great. And to uh, expand on what you just said, it's not at all the busy work that you get, that you're getting paid for. And I very much want you to get out of the hourly billing mentality. I don't do that. Great. I- yeah. I want, okay, then let me say it again. And I very much want you to stay as far away from as possible <laughs> <laughs> hourly billing because that's not what we're going for here and you will never make what you need to make. There aren't enough hours in a work week or in a work year in order to make what we're talking what we're talking about. Where this conversation needs to go is providing the higher level advising and expertise around running businesses that business owners are desperate for and not getting. You can let all the automation happen underneath you. And spend as little, like spend the time that you need to, or potentially hire somebody to help you with it. So you're not doing the admin work because where you're going to provide value is helping business owners become more profitable, raise their margins, work fewer hours, be less stressed, know that they can cover payroll, climb out of both business and personal debt, help them get a handle on, um, help them get a handle also on, on not just business, but how it flows into their personal finances, all that stuff that is quite often quite a mess and very murky for people. Let me check in with you. Does that sound like work that you would be excited about doing? That's exactly what I want to be doing. Uh, I don't want to have to be like in the trenches doing uh, all the the busy work. And uh, so now when I'm looking at your your three price levels, mm-hmm. so is that probably, is that like three tiers of service that you could provide, like, uh, I know that some people offer, like, if they have, like, more hand-held holding, they charge a little bit more or something per month. Yeah, and these, again, are super rough approximations, right, for just to, for us to just understand kind of what we're talking about and how many clients we're talking about and what it takes to make the numbers actually pencil. So I'm not necessarily suggesting specifically that you would use these exact prices. For our listeners, they're 500000 and 1500 but that you would start to think about what levels of service you could provide your clients and what levels of service they're looking for from you and how much they would value each one of those. So they would include frequency of meeting, right? How often you meet with them and how fast you respond to their requests, right? And like you say, adding on services. So the ones at the top tier are likely to get more services from you and they're, gonna, they're probably gonna be bigger businesses who need more help from you. But it's easier to create higher levels of value from bigger businesses because the stakes are higher for them. See, this is where I get, I mean, I think like, oh, okay, that sounds great. But don't these bigger businesses already have like a CPA on staff? I mean, 
Yeah, typically not at this level. And for our listeners, the level that we're talking about, up to two, around 2 million, probably still not somebody full-time on staff. So then I guess, the, oh, I was going to say, I guess the, the next problem though is, okay, this sounds great, but then who are these people and how do I get to them? The vegan community, like I'm in quick uh, in um, Facebook, like the Facebook um, communities with all these different people and stuff. But um, I, I almost wonder like, okay, do I need to like network in a totally different way to get these types of people? And do I need to like offer something else like profit first or, you know, I'm. Yeah. So great questions. Number one, who are these people? Number two, where do I find them? Um, and how do I get there? And it can be easy to be like, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> <laughs> and they may be easier to find than you think. Yeah. We just need to get you knowing which ponds to go fishing in. Have you ever recently done a top client assessment or an income, run an income by customer summary report? Yeah. So I have run assessments on clients and I have certain clients that have been repeat business. So, um, but there again, uh, you know, when they've been a repeat customer, I'm like, oh, I'll give you a discount because you're coming back and I'll give you a bulk discount. I, I do know which clients are um, higher value than others. And then I have sort of assessed like, okay, so they did pay me a lot, but were they a pain in the butt or <laughs> compared to other, you know, was it a lot of extra work and was it really worth that amount? I've kind of gone through and looked at that and, uh, you know, I read the pumpkin plan and I've been sort of trying to implement that sort of thing. And, uh, but at this point, I don't have, I don't have somebody that's like, that would fit in this category at all. So let's shift directions for just a little bit here. A couple of things you've said about giving discounts, bulk discounts, living a fairly frugal life. Um, but it makes me wonder to what extent do you think you're attracting people who are also living a low cost life and are never going to have the money to pay you? Oh, that's totally the type of people that are attracted to me. <laughs> I, I I know that hundred percent because I'm like, uh, you know, I hang out with, well, vegans for one thing, a lot of times they are totally broke. And then, uh, people that are involved in like acting improv, all of that, they spend all their money on that sort of thing. They're broke. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know these kind of people that could afford, uh, $500 a month. Um, and then I kind of wonder like, who are, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I'm wondering if those types of businesses would even be something that I would even be interested in working with. But okay. Say for instance, like I like to work with actors. Well, I guess there are actors that make enough money that could afford something like this. Yeah. This is where I get kind of lost. What do you think of people who make a lot of money? Mm. Um. <laughs> Just say it. Cause we all have it. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, you know, when people make money as, you know, as long as they're like very giving with their money and they're not disgusting creatures. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess I don't really, I mean, I'm kooky and different and uh, alternative, I guess you'd say. And so I don't really rub shoulders with those kind of people very often. Uh, I don't really relate to them, I guess. Uh, but I mean, just because you have money doesn't mean that you're you know, a jerk or anything like that. I don't, I don't think that. If Heather made a lot of money, 
Who are you afraid that she might become? Oh, I would definitely be the same person. I would definitely be more giving. So I I don't have a problem with me making money. Uh, although I am stingy with my money. So, um, but I'd like to be a person that would give more, but maybe I would be afraid that maybe I would still be pretty stingy with my money. Hmm. Okay. So a little bit of competing uh, at odds behaviors, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like you'd want to be generous, but you're afraid you might still be stingy. Yeah. Hmm. And if you were still stingy, what would that mean about you? Well, I mean, I like to think of myself as really giving and compassionate, which I am, but I'm, I'm that with my time. Yeah. But, um, but not when it comes to, I guess when I'm giving a discount, that is money too. Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah. but, uh, but there's no like actual uh, transactions of, of money right there. So it's just, it's just a line item It's a discount, but hmm, that's kind of an interesting thing. I've never really thought about that with myself. And you're really great to be this vulnerable right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, most people that know me know that I'm very stingy, but although I'm very like giving, like I'll have people over for dinner and make them elaborate dinners and and all that, but just like actually giving somebody cash, like uh, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. So it just makes me wonder, this competing desire to be both generous and giving with this internal desire to hold on tightly. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's part, part of the problem because I'm so stingy that I don't, I don't understand why someone would pay me that kind of money. I think that's the <sighs> real problem. Yeah. Like I can see like, okay, I'm doing a, a tax return and it, you know, it, it has, should be a certain amount of money, but like this nebulous, like, business advising, like, like, I don't, I would never spend that kind of money each month. So why would, why would I think anybody else would want to pay me that? I I guess that's the problem. Like right now I'm offering business advising on a quarterly basis and I have a certain amount that I'm charging and it's far less than anything you have on your chart. And that I can see like, okay, I, I understand that, but maybe I'm just like, I, it's not that I don't value myself. I do value myself. I just don't understand how other people could spend money, this kind of money on anything. And tell me if it's because of this. Sometimes when we're really good at things, there could be two things in play, but I'm wondering about one of them. Sometimes when we're really good at things, we're so good at it, it's automatic, it's easy, it's like a fish breathing water, it's no big deal. And to us, like we do this stuff in our sleep And we would give it away for free because it's so easy and we enjoy it. And it's hard for us to get in the mind of somebody else who finds this stuff to be utterly impossible. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I don't know that I'm going to be able to convince you. I'll be one voice. (laughs) But I think what will help you is to get out into your community and in your network and start talking to, start finding and talking to these business owners and start hearing from them in their words, the depth and the pain they experience related to these financial challenges. One voice, you know, you might be able to hear a little bit, but when you start to hear it five, 10, 15 times, I think that may help shift your perception of the value that you offer because you can't, you can't see it for yourself. You need to put yourself in their shoes and look back at yourself. You need to see it through their eyes. And I can tell you unequivocally that business owners are struggling financially to, they're not just struggling financially, they're struggling to understand. They're struggling to know what to do with the data that comes out of QuickBooks. 
They're struggling to know how to analyze it, splice and dice it, how to use it to make good decisions and how to use it to grow profit margins and be more profitable. And then how to manage it once it comes into their family. And if they're, if they need to pay off debt, how to get on some kind of stepwise plan to get their debt paid off inside two years. There's untold value in what you know how to do. And it's only a matter of tapping into it. Mm. Yeah. You you know, because I think, uh, I have this problem with, you know, the, the charging a certain amount that if I do charge more, I feel like now it's like a sales transaction um, where if I feel like I'm, I'm doing them a favor, then it's not, I don't feel as guilty, I guess, about it. I, and I don't know, maybe this is like something that like when I first started, I, I charged a, a smaller amount and I've been growing my uh, my fees and so I don't know if it's a confidence thing because I started my business and it's like, I want people to like me and um, trust me. And uh, But now I have enough clients where I feel like I don't have to keep discounting and all of that. But uh, yeah, it's interesting about like, you know, when I hear, uh, I listen to po- lots of podcasts and uh, when I hear about like the profit first and like how much money you can charge per month for for those services, I'm like, I always think like, what kind of sucker would pay that kind of money? Like, I don't understand that. But like you're saying, I mean, we're give, bringing them value of something that they can't easily do like like us. That's exactly it. They cannot do it by themselves. If they could have, they would have. And I love to tell <laughs> my clients and CPAs <laughs> that even though I do work for and with CPAs, I cannot for the life of me do my own taxes. Oh, <laughs> I cannot do them. I cannot do them without melting down into a puddle of my own tears. I cannot. I get so frustrated. I throw my pen at the wall, <laughs> right? And I'm a smart cookie <laughs> and I can't do it. I need your guys' help. So what clarity do you have now that you didn't have at the outset? I definitely need to charge more than I'm doing. I do give away a lot of information and people send me emails all the time and with lots of questions and I just answer them and uh, and I've tried to be like, well, let's set up an advising session or, you know, and I need to probably push that more than just giving away my services. So, um, and I understand that I'm devaluing myself by not charging for those things. Uh, I know in my heart that that's what it is, but I need to kind of put a, put aside my ideas about money and what people would spend and all that and just really like really see the value in it and definitely start charging more. What else, if anything? Uh, if I do charge more and people have pushback, then I really just have to understand that those aren't the kind of clients that I, I really need to go after and really try to develop relationships with people who can afford the services that I'm trying to provide rather than trying to uh, make a match of something where like people I like to work with, I feel bad for them and all of that. Well, that's not really going to help my business in the long run. I'm helping them with their business, but uh, it's not helping my business. Uh, So as much as it breaks my heart to like not help those people, I mean, maybe I could have a small amount of people that I do with that, but not make that the big part of my business. And I do know that, I mean, I probably need to start networking 
in broaden my network uh, and also try to find a niche that I can go after that can actually afford this type of these types of services. And if I can on the the network part, it's not necessarily a broad like a blanket broad network of like Jackson Pollock style. It's more pick the niche first and how do you gain visibility inside that niche, right? And network inside the container of the niche. Right, right. And how about when it comes to money and your relationship with money? I just have to change my mindset about money, I guess. What do you want to change it to? That uh, that people will, people are actually willing to pay for services that I can provide and for me not to like devalue that in my brain of like, oh, they have to be a sucker to to pay that kind of money. So from shifting from only suckers would pay that kind of money to there's real value in what I offer. And I'm going to take you one step further and stretch you if you're up for it. And people are desperate for the expertise that you can provide. Yeah, sure. And that might be a stretch for you at this moment but I can promise you that I have conversations with business owners again and again and again who are desperate and thirsty for expertise and guidance. But you probably can only convince yourself once you hear it, once you're out there in the marketplace. That makes sense. It's going to take some time to overwrite those old messages. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. One of the things that you wanted was direction. Where are you now when it comes to direction? Right now, I mean, with taxis, I'm going to have to just like keep going with that. But I think as I'm taking in more clients, I'm going to be more mindful of like, do they fit into this model or not? And do I really want to spend uh, a lot of effort on people that are just never going to make make it into this model? You know, I mean, during tax season, it's going to be really difficult for me to kind of start niching down and doing all that stuff. I just got to get through it. But then after tax season, uh, you know, and I think also during tax season, I'll just start contemplating this, like, who is my niche? Who do I want to go after? How am I going to target them? And th- think of ways. And uh, so then after tax season, I'll really start to drill down on this and see how I can implement implement this change. And there's one last piece in here around how am I going to get people to pay X, Y, Z when I when they hem and haw about paying whatever for taxes? And this is a really common thing that I hear in your industry. And what I try and help people see is that while there is value in compliance and tax work, right? Those of us who use CPAs to get our taxes done, we immensely value the tax savings, the time saved, and staying out of jail. Compliance is the tip of the iceberg when it comes to value. 90% of the iceberg is below water. 90% of the value that you can provide is below water. Tax is just the tip. That's easy to see above water. It's easy. It's easy business. The thing about it is that you don't see the value yet because you haven't put your face below the water. I I personally see the value. It's some of the, I guess it's the clients that I do have currently, they don't see the value. Uh, okay. I don't think that they understand yet what I, what I can provide for them. Okay. And so now it's like convincing them. I, I mean, I think like if they spent the money for me, to do advising with them that they actually could build their business, um, even though they are bootstrapping. But um, now I'm kind of wondering, is that where I should be concentrating my efforts or should I be going after people that already have established businesses 
that need advising. I guess if I want to make money, I have to go after people that are more established. Have to, want to, get to, or choose to? Feels like I have to. That's not really where my passion is, but um, uh, I would much rather work with people that are bootstrapping. But then again, it's like, I don't know if they can't really afford me, and um, but I feel like they can. Or at a minimum that the investment would pay off. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not probably going to be the $500 client um, a month, but but I feel like I could provide them with a lot of um, help, um, even if it was on a quarterly basis. So maybe for those type of people, maybe that's more of like a, a quarterly basis kind of person. And then uh, people that are more established, they would be more of like a monthly type of client. I like it. So last question, what's been most helpful today? Well, I kind of had an aha moment about that whole like feelings about money the whole thing with the value that that gave me a lot of insight into myself and how I think about pricing the guilt that I feel like when I ask people about, you know, like advising and things. And I, you know, I say sucker good, but you know, people that like they would spend that kind of money, they have to be a sucker, but really. Yeah. I mean, I could see how if you had a position that anybody who paid you a high dollar rate would be a sucker that that would absolutely get in your way of making progress. And then, then you feel kind of sleazy about the whole transaction, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah, that was really helpful. Uh, they need the information and they do actually value it. And they are willing to pay that, uh, but I need to find those kind of people. Okay. So there will be more to come, more progress for you. And I'm looking forward to reconnecting with you in a few months to hear what progress you've made. Oh, now the pressure's on. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it takes, Heather. (laughs) Heather, this has been such a treat. Thank you so much for coming on the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Heather, for coming on the podcast. I loved the takeaways that Heather had at the end and the clarity that she got around how her money mindset has things positioned for her to get right in her own way and really seeing and understanding just how much people need and value the information and the guidance that she can provide. Listeners, if you think you might benefit from an on-air coaching call, you are invited to apply. Just go to shethinksbigcoaching.com, scroll down to the bottom and click on the apply button. Your application will land in my inbox where it will get reviewed. I hope you all have a lovely week and I will see you next time. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Registration is open now, but it won't be for long. Go to GeraldineCarter.com now to enroll today.